Welcome to the New Beginnings Fellowship Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning. So, um, man, I don't want to make light of this, you know, but I know everything in the news lately about the whole submarine thing and, uh, you know, bad event. Um, yeah. And, and, but I'm just going to be honest with you, alongside of that, it just made me think of a few jokes. Here you go. So, why did the octopus laugh? It saw the ocean's bottom. Did you, speaking of octopuses, did you know how many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Ten tickles. Ten tickles. Ah, You're welcome. So, now that I got you good and angry, hey everybody, how you doing? My name is Richard. I am the pastor here at New Beginnings Fellowship. Um, I am, I wouldn't say abnormally uh, happy. I'm normally really, really just, I'm just normally a happy guy. Normally sermons, as um, excited as I am to deliver sermons, there is always, 100% of the time, there's always a wait. And sometimes there is a wait and fear, not God honoring fear, but fear of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that, you know, and this sermon, it's not one of those sermons, like don't get me wrong, Um, there's weight, there's always weight in delivering God's word, I cannot tell you how excited I've been to deliver this message, Um, God has been doing some radical, amazing stuff within my heart and within my community. Uh, just within my circle, and I felt just so compelled, so excited to share with you all uh, that today. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your phones, um, please turn with me to John chapter 4. We're going to be verses 1 through 10. Now check this out. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Hear me when I say this. Buy a highlighter. Always bring your highlighter to the Degum, to the church service. And highlight the sermons, uh, highlight the sermons, highlight the scriptures that we go by. You'll be surprised how just that small little uh, um, remembrance, just highlighting can, you know, it can bring to remembrance what God has taught you so you can actually live it out. Please do not let the words of God die on a Sunday right after it's finished. I'm up here. To, uh, so, so God can allow us, God has allowed me up here and using me to herald the good news of the gospel so we can radically change our community. And to do that, it needs consistency. To do that, it, it requires studying. To do that, we have to mull over the word. To do that, we have to meditate on scriptures. To do that, it's going to have to change everything um, about us so we can mold, so we can be molded to um, what God wants us to look like. And that can happen if we're not chewing on the scriptures. Amen? Highlight it. Uh, 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 save it in your phone. Do whatever you need to do to make sure that the word is planted on your heart. Amen? Anyway, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, it says this. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again from Galilee. Verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. 
hearing the silence after I said that verse further explains that we really don't understand the context of this. Don't worry, we're going to get into this. But he had to pass through Samaria. Boom, boom, boom. Verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field of Jacob, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob well, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Whoa, another big deal. And Jesus said to her, Jesus speaking to her, another thing. Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is, how is, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink you would have asked him and we have and would have given you living water. Everybody, that is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for you, the creator of the cosmos, saw that because of our decision, we are apart from you. And you came down to earth to build the bridge between us and you. Thank you, Father. You love us, and that has never changed, never. We pray, God, that we will always remember your love, Father. We will always display that love to the rest of the world, God. We pray for more intimacy with you and more intimacy with one another. We pray, God, that your, that the, your words will radically transform us, Father. We pray, God, we will be the church that radically loves, serves, and encourages. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen, amen. So we're coming back from camp. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a week, I think what, it's been about a week since the last time we uh, came back from camp. And finally, I rested up. Finally, I'm rested up. Now hear this. Prior to being a pastor, I was a camp director and a seasoned camp director. Uh, now I'm saying this to brag, but I am, I'm talking over 10 years of experience. And the only reason why I'm telling you all of this stuff is just to, to, to paint the picture that I have a little bit more tolerance, I have a little bit more patience, a little more endurance of the average Joe dealing with camp. And so when Amber came to me and says, and she said, yo, Rich, you want to be in the cabin with the kids? Oh, what kids? Fourth through sixth grade. I'm like, cool, cake, walk, absolutely. Because again, seasoned camp director, seasoned, I was a camp counselor for years, all of that stuff. I am good. So I thought. So I thought. Then I brought y'all kids to camp. Um, I was in a cabin. Me, Trent Edwards, beautiful, strong, bold man. And then we were in a cabin with about 20 kids, about three, you know, third to sixth grade. And y'all kids kicked my butt. So 
People ask me, so Richard, how was it? You know, 20 kids, you know, like 20 some kids got saved and so many rededications. How was it? And I'm like, yo, how was it? It was. Sorry, Matt. The seventh circle of hell. Um, let me explain why. First, I am a girl dad, all girls. The only, the only male besides me in my house is my dog, Biggie, and he's a Bernie doodle, a very girl breed, right? So all I know is girls, and I'm very comfortable with girls. Girls, they just argue and complain, but the smells are nice. You know, they just are. That's just what the girls are. Whenever they go to the bathroom, they sit. It's good. They don't have to aim. They're already at the destination. It is just fine. Boys are not the case. And smells, Lord have mercy. I didn't know that you had to force boys to shower. We're at camp. It's 100 degrees outside. There's sand volleyball pits everywhere. There's a huge... These kids will go in the creek, play in the creek, get all nasty and dirty in the creek. And then they will go play in sand volleyball. Then they will go play football. Then they will go play basketball. Then they will run in the field. And then after being musty and stinking and nasty all day, they will just with confidence climb right in their bed and go right to sleep. Not even joking. I had to force y'all kids to take a shower. And how I knew that is because one of those little boogers came to me. They were like, hi, Mr. Richard. I love you. And I hugged him. And I went, And I just rejected him as, get in the shower right now. Trent, am I lying? We have to force these boys to get in the shower. But I would never get that smell out of my daggum mouth. It is, not only that, everybody, boys collect every creature imaginable. It's their duty. I don't know if they have the spirit of the crocodile hunter inside of them, and they're like, oh, look at this. It's a fly. Like, let it go. Like, I, don't, I don't care. But these, I went, finally, after getting away from the kids, I went into the bathroom, the bathroom where urine was everywhere, and 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 I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm feeling nasty and icky. And I go to wash my face. There are about 12 crawdads in the sink. Trent, am I lying? 12 crawdads in the sink. And I'm like, I just want to go home. This is stupid. But the worst thing, the worst part of camp was trying to get 20-plus boys to sleep at night. And these aren't my kids, right? You know, I can't threaten them. I'm like, hey, yo, stop before I chop you in your throat. I can't say that to other people's kids. I can say that to mine. It's my kid. I can chop whoever in the throat, right? Most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life was try to get 20-plus kids to go to sleep. And the camp directors there, in their divine wisdom, said that lights out was at 11.30 p.m. I have third through sixth grade kids. And it was, 
and, you know, as soon as the lights went out, there was like, oh, yeah, I'm Eddie Murphy. It's time to make everybody laugh, right? And they burped, they tooted, they yelled, you named it. They did everything they could to get a rise out of me and everybody else. I about, I about, and did, lost my mind, everybody. Now, hear this. Dealing with these rowdy boys, I had three choices to make. Three choices. One, I could have completely ignored what the boys were doing, put on my noise-canceling headphones, went to sleep minding my own business. It doesn't matter what's happening because I'm in here listening to 90s R&B music and I can't hear nothing, right? Two, I could have acted like major pain, bringing a hammer down and striking the fear of God in these 20-plus young men. Or three, I could have joined the kids in their crazy behavior because if you can't beat them, join them. You know, there's 15 crawdads in the sink. Let me go get five more and add to the family. I could have done all of that stuff. Now, hear this, church. I actually tried all three. None of them worked. None of them. Why am I explaining this to you? Church, I'm using this lighthearted illustration to bring up a very controversial topic here in New Beginnings Fellowship, a topic that we all need to deal with, a topic that we all need to discuss. As a church, we have to discuss this topic. If we're called to radically love, serve, and encourage, then we radically love, serve, and encourage everybody. It's a topic that has caused so many heated, uh, heated uh, arguments that even the closest relationships have ended. We've seen church splits because of this topic. We've seen people be bashed you know, on the news because of this topic. But it's a topic that we will not avoid. We will talk about it, everybody. And this topic... It's about Pride Month, a month dedicated to celebrating the culture, the achievements, and the contribution, the contributions of the LGBTQIA plus community, a community that has infiltrated nearly every institution imaginable. We're talking about children's networks. We're talking schools, sporting events, department stores. We see this community everywhere. I got an email the other day from Reebok. We were saying, like, yo, let's celebrate Pride Month. I got an email from Under Armour. Let's celebrate Pride Month. Everything. Celebrate Pride Month. Hear this, saints. We are called to reach the community. Let me say that again. Saints, you Christians, we are called to reach this community, to radically love, serve, and encourage this community. But the problem is, many times we respond in one of three ways like I responded to the kids at camp. One, we ignore what the world is doing and we go about our business. We put on our noise-canceling headphones. They're doing this. Well, I'm doing this. 
they do their deal. It doesn't matter how loudly they speak, yell. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm over here with it. My, my Sundays and Wednesdays look good, and I got my Bible study, and I got my small group, and I got my little men's group. I got my little women's group. I got my children's, and I serve here, and I don't need to talk to nobody about nothing. I'm cool. That's putting on your noise-canceling headphones. Two, we can become like major pain. We can become so very, like, like incredibly abrasive, and we can shout out discontent about the spreading of the LGBTQIA community. Like, we can yell about it. Like we become, we can, again, we become very, very abrasive. Or three, we can join in and be supporters of everything this community stands for. Like, we become in favor of everything that this community believes in. Listen, Christians, all three tactics are wrong. All three, all three are wrong. Goes completely against the will of God, those tactics. Ignoring the rod spreading of sin and doing nothing about it is actually sin itself. James uh, 4, uh, James 4, verse 7 says that if you know the right if you know the right thing and fail to do it, then it's sin itself. Being abrasive and Bible thumping others only repels you from the people that you're called to commune with. You need access to the people to reach the people. If you repel yourself from the people, then you're completely cutting yourself off of evangelism. And three, supporting sin is actively working against the will of God. The Bible says that do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. It doesn't matter how popular the sin is, we are not to conform to the patterns of this world. Why? Because we are not of this world. So, church, we, we Christians, no, no, sorry. So we need to ask ourselves, how should Christians engage a community that we disagree with? Let me say that again. Christians, we should ask ourselves, how do we engage in a, co a community that we disagree with? How do we engage a community that disagrees with us? Easy answer, like Jesus. Jesus, who the Bible says is the second Adam, Adam number two, the one who got it right. He gave us a perfect, he gave us a perfect example of how we should act in all these situations. And believe it or not, in the Bible, it shows us how we should engage the LGBTQIA plus community. Believe it or not, the word shows us how to do it. So this week and the next, everybody, we're going to observe how Jesus interacted with a Samaritan woman at the well, a woman who struggled with sexual sins and didn't care too much about the uh, didn't care too much about the people who believed that her lifestyle was completely wrong. 
She hated those people and she was involved in sexual sin. You can't get more of the same of what we're talking about. Somebody, a group of people that's involved with sexual sin and don't care too much about people who say that how are they living is wrong. Jesus interacted this woman and we ought to follow his example. Now, before getting to this passage, let me give you a brief context. Okay, so check this out. The Jews and the Samaritans, they hated one another. Now, I could give you a big history why, but just know that they hated one another, okay? The Jews believed that the Samaritans were these half-Jew, half-pagan, cross-breed hypocrites. And the Jews, hear this, y'all, the Jews called the Samaritans the Samaritan dogs. Dogs. The Samaritans believed that the Jews were incredibly pompous and arrogant. They believed that the Jews looked down upon them because, and cursed them because of the sins of their ancestors. And so with that beef, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds year of racism, of beef, they hated one another. So with that in mind, let's observe this passage. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again from Galilee. Verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now you get it. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, check this out. Verse 4. He had to pass through Samaria. Check out verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Do not miss that passage. Do not miss that scripture. It's important to note that Jesus chose to go to Samaria to have this encounter with the Samaritan woman, and his location was incredibly intentional. Don't miss that. It says that Jesus was near Jacob's well. Now hear me. The Samaritans embraced this, this, this religion. of uh, It was like a mixture of Judaism and of idolatry. That's what the Samaritans did. Now, there, was, there were stark differences in what the Jews believed and what the Samaritans believed. And these differences created a barrier between the two groups. Now, Jesus understood that. So instead of focusing, but instead of focusing on the division that separated them, Jesus found a common denominator. Even with the stark differences of the Samaritan beliefs, they adopted the Torah, first five books of the Bible. You know who was in the first five books of the Bible? Jacob. They, I mean, sorry, I'm not just, that's just Pentateuch, I'm sorry, the Torah, the entire Old Testament, forgive me. And, and, and in the Torah, you find uh, Joseph. Joseph was there, y'all, The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews, but they both loved them some Jacob, right? I mean, Joseph, Jacob. They loved Joseph too, but they both loved Jacob. Loved him, loved him, loved him, loved him. Jesus met this woman 
finding a common denominator. Now, for you teachers and you out there, and for the people that's really struggling with helping your kids out with math problems, uh, um, I can't tell you the last time I added fractions. Can't tell you the last time, right? But I heard common denominator, common denominator, common denominator. God gave me those words, common denominator. And so I'm like, man, I still remember if I can add fractions. I didn't, so I looked it up on YouTube. Now, check this out. If you have three-fourths, you know, plus like one-half, you just couldn't add the two top numbers and the two bottom numbers and get to the right answer. The, you know, like, like you can't do it whatsoever. So in order to solve, these two very different equations, these two very different variables. To solve this equation with two different variables, you know what you have to do? Find a common denominator. And so you have two different variables. You find a common denominator, and you can get to an answer that both of y'all agree. This variable is trying to link up with this variable, so you got to find something to get to the right answer. That's exactly what Jesus did. They both loved them some Jacob. They both agreed on the greatness of Jacob. So Jesus found a common denominator that bridged the gap between the two groups, the two groups of people that hated with one another. Now, why am I telling you this, church? To engage a community that's hostile towards you, it's important to find God-given common denominators. And when you find those similarities, you should exploit those commonalities. I have a good friend who is a gay man, and we both exploit our commonalities often. In fact, because of our, my conversation with him, he's the one who's gave, who gave me the inspiration to write these two, right? Now, uh, we were just moving and scooting, going about our business or whatever, and we became friends, and then we became more friends and deeper friends and deeper friends. And so the other day, I'm like, all right, buddy. Let's have a conversation that's probably uncomfortable for the both of us. Uh, you're a gay man. I'm a preacher, Christian preacher. There are stark differences in what we believe. Let's talk about this. And we had beautiful, a beautiful conversation. We talked about uh, his preconceived notions about Christians. We talked about how he feels to be a gay man in the Bible Belt. We talked about how I feel with just saying I'm a pastor to the LGBTQIA plus community and the preconceived notions that we had there. Uh, 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 um, we, we, I mean, we talked about so many stuff, y'all, and it was beautiful. We talked about the differences in our beliefs and how those differences affect our relationship, how the culture says that we should have our relationship. Y'all, we laid it all out the line. I laid it all out on the line. And check this out. How we ended that conversation, we was like, all right, buddy, I'll see you at the gym tomorrow. You know, he was like, all right, shut up, right? <laughs> you know what's our common denominator? The gym and being sarcastic with one another. Seriously. And we exploited, we exploited that commonality like crazy, and now we have a good, good friendship. Everybody hear this. My goal is that he will experience the love of Jesus. That's my main goal, that he will experience it. Why? Because I am tethered to Christ. And so if I'm saying that Christ, if, 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 
if, if God, Christ is completely saturated me, then that means how I walk, how I talk, how I act, how I treat him will be exactly how Jesus teaches me, uh, how Jesus will. Um, my goal is for him to see the love of Christ and then that love will penetrate his heart. And that happens, everybody, by finding common denominators. Again, if you want to engage a community that's hostile towards you, find a common denominator. Let's move forward. In John 4, 7 through 8, it says that a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Verse 8, it says, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Do not miss that. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Hear this. What Jesus did there could easily be missed, but don't let that happen because it's incredibly important to engage community. It says that disciples had gone away to buy food. Y'all, let me tell you why this is important. The disciples were a bunch of knuckleheads at times. They argued about who was the greatest amongst themselves. They constantly didn't comprehend what Jesus was trying to establish while he was here on earth. Uh, Many times they lacked faith. It was at one time where parents literally brought their children to Jesus and the disciples rebuked the parents and the children. They were like, don't bring these kids to Jesus. And he's like, no, don't tell these kids. Don't rebuke these kids. What are you doing? Knock it off, Peter. Like, like, Jesus like, don't do that. These disciples were knuckleheads. If you think that they were, like, if, if they would rebuke the parents and the, 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 the kids, what do you think they would have done to the Samaritan dog? They would have ran her off, ruined the opportunity. So you know what Jesus did? Hey, y'all, go buy some bread for us. Let's go. Hear this, everybody. The disciples were not mature enough to be around this woman at that time. They wasn't. So Jesus briefly departed from the group so he could engage her. Church, sometimes we need to break away from our Christian good old bo- uh, 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 the Christian good old boys and the good old girls because they are not mature enough to engage a community that God has called us to infiltrate. But Christians, what do we do? We feel comfortable with numbers. If we get so many people on our side demonizing a group, it is really easy to identify yourself with their group and sing the same tune as them rather than being like, what y'all are doing is wrong, and if anybody is going to try to engage this, it's going to be me. Y'all can just stay over there. I'm going to engage this community. Now, we all know Jesus loved his disciples. Jesus taught his disciples. We all understood that, but Jesus also understood that they would be a hindrance whenever it came to them. So holler at y'all. I see y'all in a little bit. I got to go here. Everybody. Sometimes Christians create separation from the very communities we are called to engage. So if that means you're going to have to be bold to depart from that group to go reach them, understand that the Holy Spirit is miles ahead of you and understand that God's courage is within you and you go and engage that community. We don't need people. We need Jesus. Let me say that again. We don't need people. We need Jesus. Now, I am not saying that as a green light to not build community. 
But who do you seek your refuge in? People or Christ? Sometimes we're going to have to depart from the people. Pray for courage that you can do so. Sometimes we just have to leave those saints behind while you reach that community. It could very well be the difference between befriending somebody or creating another enemy. And friendship, hear this, is a key component to evangelism. Sometimes we just got to send our friends away to go buy bread. So this point again, everybody, break away from those who are less mature than you in that area and to go engage those tough communities. My final point here, and it comes with John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Hear this, everybody. It was a cultural norm for the Jews and the Samaritans to hate one another. Cultural norm. And the people accepted this toxic culture. It was an everyday practice for them, y'all. Jews raised their children to hate the Samaritans. So the Samaritans raised their children to hate the Jews. It was normal not to talk to one another. It was normal not to dine with one another. It was normal not to fellowship with one another. They even separated, they were even separated whenever, whenever it was time to worship God. Y'all, they're arguing, they're bickering, they're complaining, they're fighting, their hate was just normal in that toxic culture, and nobody dared to go against the grain. Then came Jesus. And Jesus was countercultural. This Jewish man went to a place where no other Jewish man was willing to go, and he did it without compromising the gospel. Let me say that again. Jesus went where no other person was willing to go, and he did it without compromising the gospel. Church, hear me. For the sake of the kingdom, Christians must be willing to engage a person, a community, even an entire culture, even if the world rejects them. We have to be bold in doing so. Have to. God wants us to do it. A lot of saints believe. Now, Christians, we're, it's tough for us to do that. You know why? Because whenever we do, a lot of the saints will start bickering. A lot of the saints, the hens will start clucking everybody. And they would think that if you associate with that group, then you're condoning their behavior or lifestyle. Let's look at Jesus, the second Adam, our example. Jesus hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with drunks. He hung out with re the rejected, the, 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 Jesus hung out with all of the religious rejects, and he did it without compromising his relationship with the Father. Believe it or not, men and women, you can do the same. Now, and Ryan uh, gave me this, and so glad that Ryan reminded me. Now, I am not saying if you're struggling with alcoholism to go into a bar. I'm not saying that at all, right? 
like, 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 don't get me wrong. Pray for self-control. Pray for strength. But we don't want to put in our, we don't want to put ourselves that, we don't want to put ourselves in situations where we're not strong enough to practice that self-control. We don't want to do that. But what I am saying is do not be paralyzed by the fear of those religious nose up, chin up, pinky up people that are saying like, I can't believe you're hanging around with those people. Reply, why aren't you? I'm acting like Jesus. Um, we can engage whatever community God wants us to. We can engage that without compromising the truth of the gospel. So everybody, be countercultural without compromising the truth of the gospel. So, church, I say all of that not so you know, I can capture your hearts. No, not that you can be like, yeah, that's where I'm talking about, Richard, go. I'm just simply just telling you what the word says. And I trust that the word is going to do what the word does. And the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And whatever hardness you have in your heart, that God would just completely, that, that word would just completely slice through whatever hardness of that heart. Um, I say this and I'll be quiet, everybody. To effectively engage the LGBTQIA plus community, to engage them in a way that honors God, we must find common denominators. And if you can't see it, then pray for it. God, show me what connects this other person. It may be bowling. It may be fishing. It may be the gym. Everybody has to eat. Whatever it is, find that common denominator and exploit it. Two, you have to break away from those who are less mature than you so you can engage that person. Right? It's okay. It's okay to be like, listen, you're not there. It's okay not to divulge what you're doing in this situation. It's okay. Because a lot of the times, everybody, our saints, can sometimes it can hold us back. Break away from that. God, what do you want, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to engage this person? And three, be countercultural without compromising the truth of the gospel. With a congregation this big, I think it's safe to say that there may be some people in here that either completely supports this LGBTQIA plus community. Your green lighting pride month. Folks in here that may be struggling with identity issues, homosexuality, transgender, lesbianism, whatever it may be. It's not my job, nor it will be NBF's job to change you. It's our job to love you. It's God's job to change you. And what I am going to do, what we are going to do, is to radically love, serve, and encourage. We're going to encourage you. Hey, come. Let's chill. Let's relax. Hey, come to this Bible study. Hey, come hear this word. Hey, come into this life group. Come into this community. We're going to encourage you to stop certain behaviors. We're going to encourage you to do that. And it's okay. 
for us to disagree with one another. Because again, again, it's not our job to change you. It's God's job. And I truly believe that we can radically love, serve, and encourage, even with stark differences that we may have. Because I believe my God is so powerful. My God is so remarkable that he can change even the hardness of the hearts. Uh, I say this and I'll be quiet for it. <laughs> I was back, we were back in there praying before the sermon. And it's like a very triggering thing now for churches to say, we accept the LGBTQIA plus community. Because I believe that the word acceptance has somehow been more, especially within Christian circles. New Beginnings Fellowship, we accept the LGBTQIA plus community. And when I say acceptance, I mean that we radically love, serve, and encourage you. And that would never stop. And our doors are always open. Our hearts are always open. Uh, our lines of communication is always open. We disagree with your sin. We believe that it does not honor God. But that does not mean, hear this, but that does not mean that we just kick you to the side, send you to the wolves. Because it's our duty to radically love, serve, and encourage you. Again, our job to love you, God's job to change you. And if God can change my heart, if God can change, if God can defeat the graves, he's in the business of bringing dead things to life. Whether it's our thinking, our heart, our actions, or whatever. So, Christians, how about we go engage a community that thinks we're so anti-them. We're anti-darkness. We're pro-light. And we're called to be lights in the darkness. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about New Beginnings Fellowship, connect with us, or give, visit nbfhollister.org. Have a great week, and remember, we are the church who radically loves, serves, and encourages.